This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. The Insult, Chavala, Brooklyn, Mountain, Film Stars Don't Lie in Liverpool, and The Square. And at the E-Bar on the 13th is Dixon's Cocktail Challenge, on the 14th is Hump Day, on the 16th is Fierce Friday, on the 17th is Guelph Poetry Slam's season opener, and on the 18th is Roy Davis Jr. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, a special guest from yonder away. How far... I don't actually know exactly. Maybe he can tell me in kilometers or miles or whatever. And saving the world, one tournament at a time. If only I knew the words to use when I was saving this tournament. If only I understood the lexicon. Hopefully someone will illuminate us. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of University of Guelph, Ontario, uh, Canada. Uh, I'm not going to say the rest because I'm getting bored of it already. I am Jack. I'm Joel. And I'm Kyle. Kyle. Who's that? I don't know. I, I, genuinely, I have no idea. So interesting story. Uh, the other day, uh, our good friend John asked me... Uh, no friend of mine. I need more people for this pandemic survival tournament. Will you please play? I said, fine, but I don't have anybody to play with. And he said, well, I'll I'll try to find you a partner or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was more interested in finding a partner that I knew. So I posted on Facebook. Have you heard of this social media platform? It uh, sounds like it's not going to take off. Yeah, nobody uses it. Um, Is anybody available to play with me? And lo and behold, I get a a response from my friend whose location is Seoul, Korea. (laughs) 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 And uh, unbelievably, um, and maybe he can explain why, but he's moved from from Seoul back to New Zealand and then to Milton? That's a definite loop. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was an interesting choice, but like I met... Joel and Seoul, and then um, I met my partner there as well, and she's Canadian. So after finishing up in Seoul, moving back to New Zealand, learning to become a teacher, moved here to be with the missus, and then that's It's always a woman. (laughs) All sorts of all your troubles. (laughs) Meeting a girl in Korea. I think for full disclosure, all of us have spent at least a year in Korea teaching English, or got... I'm assuming you're teaching English. You may have been a mercenary of some sort, and I'm not quite... Although teachers are often mercenaries of this sort. Job to job. Yep. Take care of those kids. (laughs) Pay me, or I leave. Um, Kyle, how did you... Like, how did you come across this this rapscallion sitting in the studio, Joel Bryant, who has this manic gleam in his eye, like sort of a deranged Santa Claus or something? I don't. We both uh, joined a soccer team that 
oddly enough, was made up of Russians or ex-Soviets. <laughs> Russian style. Ex-Soviets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. They're all very proud of the fact that they were part of the U- former, former USSR. Yeah, good, good for them. <laughs> and they would bring bottles of vodka to the games, and we would finish those bottles. Oh, my God. Like, actual vodka, too, which was... Yeah, yeah. Like, proper Russian vodka that they loved. How much was that in Korea, by the way? What would it be to cost, uh, get a bottle of... Uh, it wasn't cheap. Uh, liquor itself, like soju, as you know, was like $4 for a liter and a half. There's a reason for that, because you would use it to clean your car after you were done. With it. <laughs> yeah. But liquor was, you know, still around 30 bucks for a... Uh, for about 2 six. Yeah. So, you know, that's getting up there. Pretty close to Canada now that I think about it. Yeah. But uh, um, So, you met during soccer. So, obviously, Joel is a, uh, pretends to at least be an athletic fellow and enjoys doing this sorts of stuff. Um the show, I forgot to say, Android Dungeons is about games, music, movies, whatever. Soccer uh, games. It, it, pardon me? Soccer games. Soccer. It's a game. <laughs> it, it is something. Uh, Waiting for the balance. Do you find yourself uh, enjoying board games at all? Yeah, it's been a, a new sort of passion. So me and my wife um, found Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Perfect. Started Very playing there. That's where we found Pandemic, and that's how we got into that. Um, so it's something that's happened probably in the last year or so, but we didn't. It's not something I really was into at all. Okay, but you liked Pandemic enough to travel from Milton to Guelph to play today. Yep, we had a half an hour drive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you must own a copy of it, right? We do actually. Yeah, yeah. And we've done both the legacy versions. Oh wow! Okay, oh, that right away okay. I'm intrigued because we. I'm about I don't know I about halfway through season one. Oh yeah. Um, and I've heard season two is even better. And I actually found one better. But interesting they're both, counterpoint. They're both one really has a higher rating. Yeah. Okay, great. So you, so once again, we have another case of board game cafe being like, uh, "Hey, hey, buddy, first one's free." Yeah. And what well, <laughs> like game it isn't? But <laughs> it's five bucks. Or well, how's, yeah. how, I'm curious. How steaks and lattes work? What's their business model? Well, it was not that you work for them or anything. No, it was it was five bucks. I think it's now eight bucks. Oh, what? <laughs> eight bucks to sit down and play board games? Um, wait, hold on. Do this they, is too much, man. <laughs> I, I, do they waive it if you buy stuff, or is it just like flat? Eight no, bucks. that's flat. Oh, it's and Toronto, then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. we well, got a five bucks at something. They've, mm. I guess they've damn inflation. I've, I've been mm. pushing for them to get rid of the the gaming fee because I feel like any other cafe, people go there and work, they're not paying anything. Um, the owners are not so into that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if enough, <laughs> enough about the accounting, but I'm assuming it's because people spend a much longer time and don't spend as much money. That's what I've heard. But I, I would counter argue that uh, my wife goes and works at uh, coffee shops for an entire day, and she will continue <laughs> to buy coffees every couple hours or so. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of people that will go there, buy a black coffee for two dollars, and spend mm. eight hours using their internet. So. Mm. I don't it, know. It's that's got to be the that's co- their justification. It's got to be the cost of doing business, right? Like, so when you're doing a a business like that, you have to factor in the uh, the fact that you're going to have somebody who goes in there, buys the least expensive thing possible, and just sits there. <laughs> Clint, Clint, Clint has a years pass, and he has never bought anything. I mean, he, but he still he still bought the pass, which is more than a lot of people did too. Sure. So front loaded uh, thing. So it's you can look at it one way, and that oh, I'm not making any money off this guy, or you can look at that. He put a down payment on showing up at this place too. But either way, it's an interesting model. Now, New Z- going back to New Zealand, then, what's board gaming like? Yeah, down yonder. Um, as far as I know, it's not really hit off. But I mean, there was the first board game cafe I ever saw opened up in Wellington, mm-hmm. um, which is where I was studying, and I never saw anyone in there. It didn't seem to be successful. <laughs> oh no! Do you remember what it's called? No, uh, not at all. 
not memorable. I never went. Um, <laughs> I know Australians and uh, New Zealanders are infamous for having the extraordinary prices for a lot of stuff because it costs a ton to ship it. But you think mm-hmm. it's Ch- China's not super far, yeah. super far away from this stuff. So Some tariffs. Uh, it, oddly enough, like video games, for example, is always the one that everyone made fun of because it's like, I, and I don't know what, I'm assuming it was similar in New Zealand, but for Australia, like a game that costs $80 Canadian would somehow cost $140. Over yeah, they're there. pretty pricey. It's about 130 now. Oh my God. For like a brand new AAA Incredible. video game. So yeah. are, do, do, you, do you know anything about the prices of board games in New Zealand? Are they? I couldn't say, no. Yeah. Sorry. I guess the wages are higher and also the cost of living is higher. In Australia. Or New Zealand, not so much. Not yeah. so much. Our wages are low and our cost of living is mm. high. Um, hmm. Sounds paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Dream. All right. So enough about plucking your uh, your history to try to figure out best prices for stuff <laughs> and, and how a game cafe you have no affiliation with works. But, <laughs> um, tell us what you and Joel were up to today. Um, so we were doing a pandemic survival tournament. Um, Whereabouts? At the boardroom cafe here in guelph sure um and basically the way that works is it's like a normal game of pandemic but everyone has the exact same deck the exact same characters so everyone should be playing pretty much the same mm-hmm. scenario and then it's just about which pair handles their best okay so in your each person is uh, running two characters no, just uh, one. Just one. So it's just two two characters going back and forth. And another thing I should point out is that the infections and everything that happens as far as the epidemics are set. Like this is a scenario. So when you see something really terrible happen, they're they're deliberately. <laughs> it's like, a, oh man. So so you know the rules of pandemic, right? Yeah. Two scenarios. I think there were actually three where they would um, take the bottom card of the deck. Three three cubes, right? And then, because it's set, that would be the first card played. So it would be a double. So you get hit with an outbreak right away, is what you're saying? Yeah, or? yeah exactly. Yeah, that happened that a seems lot. kind of mean and yeah. odd. Yeah, too, it was. <laughs> they basically took the randomness of uh, Pandemic. They put six Epidemic cards in, so like the max that can happen. So you're playing expert already. And then they made it the worst, th- worst scenario they could possibly So up. Okay, so when you say you won... Now I'm really curious. Did you just not lose as badly as everyone else, or did you actually cure no, all the we diseases? Won. We won. We killed all four diseases. Yep. Wow. And we did it in yeah. fantastic fashion. And one more <laughs> question, too. For the characters, was it all preset, or was that up to the players to determine preset. which ones? That was preset. So which ones? Uh, you are the quarantine specialist, mm-hmm. okay. which basically means anything around him or bordering him does not happen. Mm-hmm. And I was something that I had never played before. I think it's from an expansion. Uh, I can take every time I once per turn I can take a cube that I've uh, cleaned up and I can put it on my card and instead of paying five cards I can pay three cards and three cubes oh interesting which worked out we did it for two of them Hmm. and then the other two we just ended up getting five of the colors alright cool so uh, obviously Joel's never well not obviously but I don't think Joel's ever done one of these types of tournaments uh, Kyle have you done this before? No this was the first so yeah. what what did you guys walk away from what was the your overall impression? It was a lot of fun yeah I had a great time it was surprisingly short yeah <laughs> I like when you start off like saying how good something is by saying it was short <laughs> it start to finish it was about 40 minutes yeah that's it yeah, yeah. it could have gone on I guess maybe another 20 but In- incredibly because we did say that it was really difficult uh, there were six teams three of those teams died wow and then the rest of us all f- cured 
all four disease at the we same all, time. We all, yeah. So everybody else also matched us for speed, mm-hmm. and then it went down to the tiebreaker, which was least outbreaks. And I got to say that it was all thanks to Kyle's decision <laughs> on one turn. Uh, right in the middle, where it didn't seem like anything was going to happen, mm-hmm. we had Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. No. Santiago. Santiago. Off in the corner. It's an island on its own. Only borders one thing. Yeah. Had three cubes. No one was thinking about it. Yeah. He used burn two cards. Two. To yep. um, fly out to Santiago and fly exactly back to where he had come to. <laughs> uh, just to clean it up. So what did you do? Take one cube off, or oh, we took three because we just three, killed it. We had oh, okay, okay. So instead of, uh, I think there were two additional outbreaks there for everybody else. We had none. Wow. Mm. So what ended up being the first tiebreaker was least outbreaks, which was five for us and seven for everybody else. Cool. Yeah. So by the skin of our teeth. It's. Uh, I think we've kind of jumped over a fair bit here, but um, pandemic for those who haven't figured it out is that you're you're basically you've got this map of the board, and if you you're the I don't know the layman would look at it and say, oh, you're playing weird future risk or something, and you've got uh, all the world out there and it's all split up into certain areas, and what happens is that every you're fighting four different diseases, and every round a certain amount of cards are drawn, and you add disease cubes to the board. And after a certain point, which is three, if you try to add another, if the card tells you to put another cube of that disease where that uh, those three cubes are, there's a dun-dun-dun outbreak. And then you spread cubes to all other regions adjacent to that, uh, that country. And if you have such bad luck that you've already got three cubes on something adjacent to that, oh, you have a double outbreak. And then your infection gets deeper and things get worse and worse and worse. So it's one of these games where... You can you can very quickly go from maybe feeling confident to suddenly drowning, and yeah. overall, it's a fairly it's a perfect entry level game. I can't imagine I can't figure out how many people have kind of gotten into maybe heavier games just as using Pandemic as one of the yeah. the launching pads. We've always said that for for co ops, Pandemic is sort of the yeah. cornerstone. It was the Absolutely. first. It put co ops on the map. Well, that's how we got into it, and that's why, because me and my wife are very competitive. Mm-hmm. So, Pandemic <laughs> was quite nice in that we weren't actually trying to beat each trying other. To kill each other. No solo losers. Uh. You against Matt Leacock. Yeah. Now, what do you guys think about, because I, I just want to bring up the fact that Pandemic is, what, like five years old now? Um, pandemic has, they've got Pandemic uh, The Cure, Pandemic Contagion, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. They've got Pandemic Iberia. They've got some other Cthulhu one. Pandemic. Some new one. Um, when like obviously he's making a ton of money and Matt mm-hmm. Leacock is uh, he's doing a good job it's a, it's a good game but like when is he going to come up with something new well I, I think we have to give him some credit because I'm going to dig it up he has done other things uh, and you just I'm going to fumble for a second here but it, it's kind of like uh, Rosenberg uh, have you Kyle have you played Agricola or any of uh, or Caverna or any of those games no I haven't gotten to those you might uh, you might enjoy them as far as uh, especially Agricola because it's got um, a fair amount of replayability as far as these um, occupation cards that can be really change things up but I think you uh, if you're, you and your wife are looking for something that's not directly competitive but more just both of you are trying not to die as bad as the <laughs> other person I say that just because I find Agricola very difficult. Yeah, I'll have a look. Um, But anyway, the main point is that Rosenberg has kind of, you could say, he's kind of gone through and just done a bunch of similar things kind of over, not as explicitly as like Agricola Cthulhu, Agricola uh, Iberia, and so on. But it's tough to fault, especially uh, in a world where 
in a world where games, they, they don't make a lot of money. It's very rare that you have a hit, like a Catan hit or something where you're just making so much money that you don't know what to do with it. So especially a brand name like Pandemic, that's a, the bedrock of these co-ops. Why not, uh, I don't want to say milk it, and it's not like they're bad games either. I've heard, have you played Iberia? I think we tried it once and it... It didn't click, eh? Yeah, we just got, I think we were running out of time. Yeah, yeah. And we were just like, uh, we're not that into it right now. Because I've heard a bunch of things. Like, there are a couple that I think maybe the dice uh, game of Pandemic felt a little tacked on, or I've heard that. I haven't played uh, it. Yeah, The Cure. The Cure. It's Didn't like, like it. not essential. Um, I didn't mind Contagion, though. Contagion. Is, yeah, you, was are, a good one. you are the disease. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one, actually. But I think the issue is that the, the quality is usually more or less there. I think I'd be... It's, it's, we're not in Munchkin or Gloom territory where it's just like, just throwing a million things against the wall and it's like, oh, dummies will buy this if they, like, oh, Munchkin Star Trek or something, or Flux. That's another example of just something. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying, I guess, is uh, if we're looking at you at Rosenberg and he's his thing is worker placement for the most part, and, you know, he's getting into tile placement and everything like yeah. that. Matt Leacock is the kind of guy where he's like, I'm going to challenge you as people to a game. Forbidden Island, like, Forbidden Desert. That's those are yes, the other ones. Those are the ones I, was, I just brought them up. Oh, oh you, okay. You stole my thunder. No, no sorry. <laughs> it's all good. But also Nitwit, which is interesting. Nitwit, yeah, that's I a good no example. Idea. A good little uh, party trivia game or question game of sort. But it's kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> basically, him trying to design a game where it's hard, and it's hard enough that you'll keep playing against him over and over and over again. Um, but it's not so hard that it's just like, eh. It's a great, from a design standpoint... Pandemic is just a neat game because it's simple to set up. Uh, the rules overhead is very low. You're basically just do what the cards say for the most part. Setting up is probably the most complicated part. And maybe some ambiguities with the the way the characters interact with each other, I guess, or with some of the things like, what is it, the operations man that everyone always can get, like, what can I do with him or can I move him around? And But my main question was, so you play with your wife. You're both very competitive. Mm-hmm. Joel, what would you say the number one, I'd say, personal issue with Pandemic and other co-ops can be? Uh, I think uh, some of the characters are better than others. Well, I was going to say more, like, interpersonally. Oh. Uh, quarterbacking. Have you heard of this? I tried not to do this today. But you know, do you know what quarterbacking I is? I can guess. Yeah. yeah. My wife doesn't. She's real bad. Quarterbacking. Uh, and then the, this ties into what we're going to do later. On the flip so side, people yeah. refusing to work with a team. Because I've had <laughs> the same situation in things like Dead of Winter where... Uh, games have been ruined because one guy just wants to do his own thing. Yeah. And everybody's well, we all need, we have this common goal. We need to do this. And he, no, I'm going to go find myself a really good shotgun. Or <laughs> and so, so she's, she's the quarterback then typically. Yep. So I know when we were teaching it to my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, she took control of that game and I had to tell her like, you Take need it to calm down and let them choose what they're going to do. <laughs> like, this isn't your game. Wow. That's pretty extreme. <laughs> oh yeah. It was funny though. I enjoyed it. Have you played Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert? Oh, I think I, we played Forbidden Desert once, but that was a while ago and I don't really remember much about it other than yeah. it was quite hard. Desert's tough, in, especially if you crank it up too. Yep. Yeah, we got thrashed. I think we've only <laughs> ever played Novice and we're still like our win ratio is maybe 40%. <laughs> and, in, and to be fair too, like even though you're playing against the computer um, and the way you your guys was seated when you played Pandemic today. Mm. So at least it, it, it was anticipated that you can survive. You can win the game if you do things properly. It is possible that through the luck of the draw and gets in the, the RNG that uh, Joel and I were kind of d- discussing earlier, that you're screwed. It's You could play optimally yep. and you could never win the game. I've died in, in the second turn. In Pandemic? Yep. Wow. I've had some experiences happen, yeah. where you're just like, oh, 
we're screwed. It's yeah. over, yeah. And at like, least it's over quickly. Three turns in, you're like, oh, we can't win this. We're going to get destroyed in like <laughs> yeah. three or four more turns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it can happen. So there, there is that sort of element verse, which is might turn some players off from some games. And it's, to me, it's like Pandemic is such a quick game and so light in general that it's I'm not, not much angry. Lose, yeah, yeah. It's not like you're setting up a game and like three hours in, you just you rolled the dice badly and you lost. It's yeah. just like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> He's speaking about uh, that a winner. There's a, a side you can roll on a die where you just die. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, your character and dies, also anybody around you. Yeah, is yeah and then you hurt them and to die as well. It's, it's a great mechanic. And Kingdom Death Monster makes a <laughs> million dollars on their Kickstarter with like seven hundred and fifty US dollars. This game. Wow. And it's got a die that you can just die randomly on. Yeah, it's another co-op. <laughs> we haven't played it, but no, it's fine. I, show me it. I, show very me. critical. <laughs> it's fine. Show, show me it. I'll play it. But it's just I'm already upset. <laughs> Sat down, <laughs> but whatever. Um, so the pandemic for you guys. What else, Kyle? Give us another. What else? You like co-ops? Mm. Is have you played anything else, else interesting that you feel like you want to talk about? Well, I guess we started getting to legacy games. Yeah, that was big. So, Pandemic Legacy was our entry point. Yeah, and that was really great. Honestly, the best board game I've ever played. Wow, Miles. Okay, nice. Um, season two was also good. Yeah, definitely recommend it. But I, just short. Mm-hmm. We started getting to Risk Legacy, which is difficult. Because there you of the go. Competition. And yeah, we, yeah. There's been a lot of sour moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. For example, Tell like I was it. about to win, and my wife stopped me, and then. My sister-in-law won, like, because of that, and I was really dark. That's but some king making. That, that was really me, dark. <laughs> that happened to me the day after my wedding. Actually, <laughs> we were playing uh, at my wife's dad's cabin, and uh, I, by some miracle, with one character left, was about to take the headquarters I needed to win, and Alexander, who wasn't even involved in the fight. Ran in and said, Missile! <laughs> That's exactly what my yeah. wife did. She's like, Nope. <laughs> and I was like, well, if you think about it, she played optimally. Like, she prevent- you, yeah. Would you have won if you had done that? Oh, I would have won. So, I was about to win. That was the winning. So he's st- there you go. Stop the move. But the problem is that this get the king making aspect. So, no, again, this yeah. guy had nothing to do with it, but he, he, was, he kept the game going for himself. Yeah. But the issue is that. He knows after he does that, his turn, he's not going to win, but the person after him is <laughs> yeah, going to win. Yeah, he was not that. in a position to win. Yeah. So it was very much like a, here you go, Joel. Yeah. And then, you know, he thought it was hilarious. I did not think <laughs> it was so funny. I was going to say, I bet you were real happy, Joel. <laughs> yeah, no, I still have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, is he's brutal? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it uh, is. What, how far are you in it? Eight. Eight? Eight, eight. that's good. About the exact same spot. And uh-huh. you didn't... Uh, open it did you yeah the do not open ever what you don't know about this no. underneath your box there's a envelope that says do not open ever i shouldn't have told him now it's now fun. he's gonna open it <laughs> just think about it all the time <laughs> yeah yeah under yeah yeah lift it up when you get home and you'll see and then, yeah. and then open it and talk to us about it yeah and yeah. tell us because i haven't opened mine <laughs> What kind of wants her? <laughs> yeah. It's this thing that nags you every time you play Risk Legacy, or at least if you've seen it, where you're like, should we open it? Should we see what's happening? You know? My girlfriend will. She If if I didn't stop her, she would be opening yeah. it in two seconds. And it, I think the, you could spoil it if you want, obviously, if you go online and just look at all the different... Uh, because yeah, it's randomized, too. It it's not just one thing. Oh, really? Everyone's so going Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, so it's... Uh, it's a neat little... I don't think any other game has done that yet. It's a cool it? functionality, yeah. Now, yeah, Gloomhaven. Have you heard of Gloomhaven? So hot right now. I haven't... So hot right now. So I'm just going through the legacy games. I think st- general... Cons- stay away from Seafall. 
I think. Okay, because right, that's what I was looking for. What happens after we finish Risk? What's our next? Don't legacy? do Seafall. Even Definitely though- play Exit. I mean, we'll talk. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Sounds good. <laughs> I know you got to go soon, so yeah. Well, since we're on a bit of a timeline with Kyle, we don't want to uh, make him late for getting back to Mil- Milton. Good old Milton. Yep. <laughs> it's not too far. Yeah, we'll see you. Um, then why don't we take a quick musical break right now? And we'll use this as a, a goodbye and uh, thanks for coming on the show as well. For uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Mr. Kyle. Thanks for having me. Congrats on winning your tournament. Well, yeah, next so. time. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm over beer. All right, so stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break.
your family, yeah. Don't forget your roots, my friend, yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of Guelph, Ontario. Uh, Kyle's no longer with us. Not in a really grim, sad sense. It is sad, but it's not grim, I guess. I guess we we should... Uh, that was... Uh, what song was that? 660? 660. Uh, that's a good point. 660, Don't Forget Your Roots, uh, which was recommended to us by Kyle. A New Zealand band. We were Joel and I were trying to figure out how to define the genre of that, that tune. I think you settled on it. Was Surfer Rock? Surfer Rock. Yeah. It's got that kind of... Uh, um, something out of Hawaii, like a bit like Jack Johnson, where you've yeah, there the, you go, the rise and fall. Yeah, it's almost like you, the waves slowly coming in and out, and it's like it's it's kind of late. It's like four o'clock and uh, maybe five o'clock, and you're sitting on the beach, and everyone's really kind of sunburnt and tired from surfing all day, and and uh, somebody pulls out the guitar and just starts uh, playing around. It's not electric. <laughs> you shouldn't bring an electric guitar to the beach. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless you've got, like, a really good battery or something. <laughs> I was thinking more about electrocuting yourself. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although it Water, sand gets in your hands. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to wreck your... I'm assuming you have a fancy guitar, too. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're less Paul. Plastic, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Giant guitar prophylactic, just to make sure. It's like, dunk, 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 dunk. This is a weird tangent. Don't forget your roots, Jack. <laughs> Don't forget your roots by 660. If you like it, you can thank Kyle. If you hated it, you can thank Kyle. <laughs> Either way, yeah. thank Kyle. I liked it. Thanks, it was, Kyle. It was fairly mellow, and it calmed my soul for a moment. Yeah. Um... Jack, so, what have you been playing lately? Thank you for asking, Joel. Uh, today I got to, just before I came to the studio, actually, I got to learn a game. Uh, and I actually, I think I'm going to talk about two games. They're both by Splatter, which is a big deal. Uh, for those who have been paying attention to the show, uh, if that's anyone. <laughs> hello? Kyle's listening. Kyle Kyle might be listening. <laughs> Even he's in the air. <laughs> he was just being polite. <laughs> just being polite. He's like, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't bad. <laughs> Um, it's uh, so Splatter Splatter Spielen are two uh, I believe it's two guys Dutch designers and uh, they basically hand make their their own games essentially um, and they're known for having heftier price tags but the gameplay being um, hyper refined and very uh, strategic and deep and they have a deep catalog kind of like your favorite uh, blues rock or progressive band um and just like those guys, they don't play their their songs all the time. So you have to wait for reprints of some of their older stuff. So right now, uh, the stuff you can get from them is uh, Food Chain Magnet, uh, which is probably their biggest success, I think, to date. It's selling like crazy. Everyone loves it. It's gotten the most buzz. And you can get Great Zimbabwe, uh, Indonesia, and Antiquity. And I just recently acquired Indonesia and Antiquity. And I'll start with Indonesia, which is what I was just playing before I came in today. And Indonesia is set, can you believe it, Joel? In Indonesia. What? In the, they describe it as a, the archipelago, which I guess is technically correct. A series of islands uh, in Southeast Asia. So basically the game boils down to you are either um, manufacturing goods or shipping the goods to cities all across Indonesia. And it has this era system where as uh, time goes on in the game, as companies disappear, you enter different eras up to the third era, and it represents the time changing as well. So at the beginning of the game, the only things you can ship are 
uh, rice and spices, and I don't know if you can ship rubber at all. I think it's just rice and spices. And then in era two, all of a sudden you've got rubber showing up. And by era three, you're shipping oil. And you can also, as of era two, merge rice and spice companies to make microwave dinners, essentially, which nice. is how they describe them as. And the so trick it's is just spicy rice. Spicy rice, yeah, that's what it is. Siap fiaggi is what they uh, is. I'm pretty sure is what they write nice. it in English as. Um, so the tricky part is that uh, the game lives and dies on its mechanic of mergers. And so every turn, you have the opportunity to acquire a company for free. And there are a bunch of different companies on the board. And you just take the card, you put it in front of you, and you own that company. It doesn't cost you anything. Just like in real life. Just like in real life. Um, you've also got... Uh, so you can either have a production company, like I was saying, or shipping company. And the thing is that you're limited... Um, to the amount of companies you have by the amount of slots you've got. And you can upgrade the slots, you can upgrade a bunch of different things. That's always a free action, but you only get one a turn. Or a round, excuse me. So let's say you're looking at these companies, and I see Joel's got this lovely shipping company over there. And I can use that shipping company, but i got to pay you every time I use your boats to ship my stuff to these cities. And the thing is, too, the game makes you ship. If you produce a good, and the only thing is to send it halfway across the country using Joel's expensive route, and maybe I'm just shipping one bag of rice to a city, it's costing me $5 for all the ships. I end up paying $40 to Joel, and I get 20 bucks for my bag of rice. That was a poor investment. You're paying for quality service. Paying right? for quality service is just tip-top delivery. Yeah. So you start to get frustrated with that, and you can propose a merger. And the mergers in this game are just wild because you, the only rule for proposing a merger is that you have to have enough money to float the company that you would be merging, theoretically, if you purchased it, and you have to have a slot available for it. After that, I don't have to own the companies. Uh, I can have no concept of it. You can have both companies. I can say, Joel, those companies are merging this turn. And you're looking at the companies going, oh, no, what are you doing, Jack? Because you just spent a whole bunch of money doing something else on another merger. So now you can't fight my hostile takeover of your companies. Are they merging and you're taking them? Yeah. So what happens is you're proposing the merger. So you're putting them together. And you add up all the, the goods and all the different things. You do a bit of math. And you come up with a nominal price for the companies. And then uh, if I propose a merger, I'm starting the first bid. It's got to be the nominal price or higher. So I look, and you can play with secret money or not, but you can also get a feel for how much cash people have held on to. Do you decide the nominal price? No, the nominal price is always set. Oh. It's like, so you always have to be this or higher. And it's often pretty extreme, too. Um, but I, you've got these two companies here. I propose that they merge. Now they're in there. I've decided, I'm all right, so I think the, uh, so let's say nominal price is $150 is the opening bid. You've got 140 you can't do anything about it. Now I've just ganked these companies from you. Or did I? No, Kayla hops in and says 160. Now I'm looking at my money. I didn't budget for this. Kayla has now taken these two companies off both of us in a sense, and she's got them. So is proposing the merger doesn't do anything. It's just is that your action? It's there's a merger phase and you only get uh, one suggestion a phase. But if you've got you're, let's say you're playing with four people, that's a lot of merging going on if everyone wants to do it. And that's where it's very, very tricky because you don't want to pay too much for the merger because it leaves you vulnerable to somebody else trying to take something else from you. And there's also limits to the slots. And there's also you have to upgrade your merging ability because you can't just magically. So let's say you've got this four company merger sitting right there. And I've got this cruddy little one right here. I can't just decide to merge them. 
and force you to defend like that. You have to have upgraded yourself to the point that you can handle X amount of tiles. It's a little abstract describing it over the air, but in general, it is just one of the most cutthroat mechanics I've, I've, I've ever played with. And by the end of the game, Kale and I were starting to get a feel for it, and it was just, you're, you're guarding, <laughs> you're, you're trying to protect your stuff. It sounds to me that the, the resources and the actual conducting of business is, is secondary. Yes and no, because you need to make the money to acquire companies and defend against acquiring companies. And if you're not, then someone who is is just going to buy your stuff. You can't just sit there merging stuff the whole time. You can propose a merger and make somebody spend too much money to defend their company. And then maybe you, somebody else can swoop in and maybe you can swoop in on them later. But it's this real sort of push and pull. And it's, it, it's, it's an economic game at its core. And actually shipping goods to stuff is like you're saying sort of secondary but you need you need to balance the two you can't just survive on merging companies and, and once for the a best. merger is proposed it's always going to happen it always happens just whoever bids the highest whoever bids the highest and you can you tack a, can you put new strike in there and tack a third one on <laughs> there no you can never merge three companies uh, but if sorry, you new strike left I'm on. sorry once again new strike left at the altar <laughs> Four dollars what was it at three something what was yeah. the highest and now it's a dollar something yep yeah, but thirty, I think. So close to the sun, a uh, bit of pot stock <laughs> discussion <laughs> there for you. Uh, so anyway, that's Indonesia. It's difficult to explain on air, but it is, and it's not it, with two players. It went reasonably quick, although our cat was attacking us during the game, and you've got so <laughs> much stuff on the board that she just kept swiping at. Did you finish? Uh, we basically we I'd say we finished. We cut the last round short, but aside from that, it was kind of. I think I won. I won as it was, but I think if Kayla had won, actually finished the round in question, I think she would have walked away with it because she had merged my rice companies and stole them out from underneath me no! after I defended away from stuff. So it was, she was making two hundred plus a turn, and it was just oh, it was painful. So it's kind of it sounds a lot like uh, similar to food chain in that there's sort of a very much an engine. Oh yes, running game. But imagine in food chain if it, this is probably a good explanation. Imagine in food chain if you could have. A restaurant that it only makes pizzas and it only makes burgers. You don't have that choice. And then somebody could decide that you want to merge those restaurants together. And if you didn't have the cash to defend against it, uh, somebody is going to take those restaurants from you. And um, but the price of goods is always set. But it's also got this thing that um, Food Chain Magnet also has the d- demand because the first person to deliver the goods because cities only can support so much demand so you can't just pump all your grain or all your rice into one city because level one cities only support one of each type of good level two cities only support two of each type and three that's it Mm. so if you are last player and you're hoping to make a bunch of money but nobody all the cities are filled up because you went last you still have to ship all the stuff to the cities and you're losing money paying joel to use his shipping service but you're not his problem because so you're shipping it no one's buying no it? one's buying it. you shipped it but the city can't support it tough luck bud Yeesh. so it's it can be mean like that and that's that's sort of indonesia um i'm we're still learning rules we're still screwing things up but in general that's the flow of the game and i thought it was sounds good yep. so last one then we've we've already talked about food chain if yeah. you i don't know, go comb through the last four months you yeah. probably find a review and then yeah. indonesia sounds good tell us about the last one so antiquity is a civilization game that's the best way to describe it um and it's got this i as much as i want to uh, say that uve was doing the uh, the tetris type stuff like the first time I saw it was with uh, Patchwork and the Feast for Odin. Um, Antiquity was doing it way before. 
you have these this basically these grids um, all these hexes all across and they all have different colors on or they don't all but they're kind of spread into so there's mountain ranges there's fields there's lakes and um, and forests and what you're doing is you're plopping a city down and you're you've got a bunch of meeples and then you've got this board in front of you that's an empty square that's got a bunch of squares on it or empty uh, square. yeah anyway and what you're doing is you're building from a central uh, collection of buildings that you put down and then you have a couple of houses that generate your workers and every turn is you put a worker on one of these spots in your city and then you perform an action so you put something on this cart driver and this turn he's going to be a woodsman or a, a woodcutter and you put him somewhere on these fields and then all the adjacent trees become his area to cut things down so every turn until there's no more trees he's going to give you generate wood but he's stuck you can't send him back until he's done his little job there. Uh, so you're taking the wood and you're building other things. And maybe you need to get luxury goods or stone. So you send another guy on a cart to the mountain range to get gold. And he's doing the same thing. Now this is where antiquity gets mean. Every turn, there's pollution being generated. Every turn, you have to feed the people. And every turn, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher to feed the people. Because the requirement of the food gets higher. Now you don't lose the food, which is nice. But you have to have it in your city, which means you can't spend it, and so many things require you to spend food to get more upgrades. So you're balancing feeding the people, you're balancing pollution, you're balancing getting the resources necessary to actually get moving in the game board, all while your opponents are doing the same thing, getting closer and closer to you, and you're starting to run out of trees, and your mountain ranges are all bad, <laughs> and you need to fish, but you polluted all the lakes, so you need to extend your cities out again, and you're out of wood, and now you're begging at the market, essentially, to so, go get stuff. So this is very much a reflection of the world today. It's, it's, it's a simulation. Exploiting yeah, local resources and yep. basically getting in each other's way until maybe there's a conflict. Yeah, and there's no direct conflict in this, too. That's something about these spotter games. There's none of this, like, oh, I ran into Joel, I rolled some dice... And uh, we we walked away. His woodcutter gets his head chopped off by my woodcutter. It sounds kind of cool, like actually. But uh, it's it's. Um, so how long do these like when I'm when I'm leaving a woodcutter out there? How many turns is he there for? It depends where you put him. If you want, if you place him optimally, you should get five turns worth of wood from him. Um, and there's there are ways to clean up pollution. There are ways to sort of mitigate all this stuff, but. It, it's all about and figuring things, figuring out your own path. Because if you just sit there trying to do things one step at a time, you're going to fail. You need to think in the bigger picture. And the last wrench I'm going to throw into this is that how do you win? Well, you pick a, a saint. And it's the game is set in Italy um, in, I think, the 1300s or somewhere around there. And you have to pick one of these saints. And each one of them gives you a bonus to doing certain actions, kind of guiding you in a direction, but it's also got a win condition associated with something like that. So one, the person you'd like is uh, uh, the saint that rewards you, or you win the game as soon as you get all your manzies oh, out yes. on the board. Which is tough because with each different house you put down, the requirement gets higher and higher and more and more difficult to get and them out there. do you have to feed them all? Uh, no, you don't have to feed them, but every turn the famine track advances, which means you need more and more food just sitting around to feed the people. And if so you don't, you start put filling up your place with gravestones, which is oh, no. <laughs> awful. So instead of Agricola, where you basically, the more people you get, the more you have to feed. In this one, it's just... It's, it's a steady that. progression. Yeah. it's every You can look at it. By turn 10, you're going to be needing to feed 
you need 10 worth of food sitting around at all time unless well, you've got... I suppose got that helps you plan. Oh, absolutely. There's no... It, it, you know exactly what your your problems are going to be. Same with uh, pollution, I think, changes based on something. I, I'd have to look through the rule book again. But it, the main point I'm trying to get across is that it is it, you're being choked slowly. And <laughs> you can either resist it enough to kind of succeed or you just pass out and you wake up and the game's over and you've lost. And the, the rule book even says the game can be extremely unforgiving and uh, losing can be a long, painful process oh, <laughs> if, boy. You, if you don't know so what you're doing. if you're doing badly, you're going to do worse? I think so. It's if it's very clear you're not succeeding. If mm. But at the same time, it's kind of like Food Chain Magnet in that you if you've done poorly, if you're playing against people who know what they're doing, you're never coming back from this. And what's the runtime? It could be... Kale and I, I think it took learning, took us about two hours. Um, adding more people to it, I'd say you're looking at... People know what they're doing, I'd say, two, three, four hours. It mm. goes up to four players, which isn't crazy. But So this is another one of those things, a bit like TI3 we've criticized, mm-hmm. where if you're doing badly, you're just going through the motions, basically. Yeah. And I agree. It's that's If you want to address a, one of the serious flaws, aside from components, which I could probably whine about for a while... Uh, is that just a general splatter thing? It's a, for some... Food chain just swings like the the meeples are great, the cards are great, the boards are what? Why are they so bland? I don't get it, but they're fine. Nice thick cardboard. Indonesia's components. I'll just go back to this for a second. The components are bizarre. They give you these giant. I'll describe them as meeples. Giant wooden symbols represent the stuff you're shipping, and you use these little cardboard shits to represent like the plantation that they're being generated every turn. But these giant wooden things are... Uh, <laughs> why are they so big? They, they don't, don't need, need to, to be. be... Not even remotely close to being necessary, necessarily lar- uh, large. And the, the the board itself is fairly... It looks like something maybe advanced sieve. Advanced sieve is more colors than uh, this board. Oh my goodness. And it's got these weird flourishes. It's a beautiful box. Is it's it like, one of those like yellow and then there's faded orange and faded red? And it, it's faded brown, brown. Shades of brown. And the boats, so you have these shipping areas, but your boats are all the size of um, these these rectangles that suck up so much space when they could have just been a circle, mm. like a something that you can you can see a banam, a banam <laughs> something, right? So, and antiquity, um, there's so many little chits that your my hand was cramping yeah. after a bit because it was just like I'm just trying to move these chits over, and you have got these little pollution markers which are great, little little flat see-through black discs that you're putting around. But you're constantly stacking stuff, and you're, you played like you're playing a dexterity game almost. And it's like <laughs> I, I needed tweezers to move some of these. It was crazy. I can just imagine Jack calling calling into work on Monday. I can't come in. I've got a hand injury from a board game. <laughs> Believe me, you play. You you'll when we play Antiquity, you'll you'll understand my frustrations. And it's a great game. The gameplay again, the gameplay is incredible. But it's just you walk away from it, it's like, how do you make so many versions of these? Like how many of these reprints? And at least this one, they've added like the meeples are new. It used to be just. Cute and the pollution discs are new. It used to be you had to source all that stuff out, but there's there's still they're still using these little cardboard chits, which I I've been I've been talking to Joel about trying to source a replacement of. All right, so there's some things you liked, there's some things you were frustrated about. Yeah. Let's do one at a time. Yeah. Uh, what would you give Antiquity? Antiquity is after one play, uh, um, eight starving Italians out of ten. <laughs> Nice. And uh, the other one, sorry, I forgot the name. Indonesia. Indonesia, again, I will give um, eight microwave dinners out of ten after one play. So you can actually make microwave dinners. You don't need any meat or anything. It's just rice and spice? Just rice and spice. It's that simple, folks. So those were the two uh, big ones that I felt like uh, 
informing our listener about. Nice. Well, Splatter games, I think they're they're proven. I mean, they're hard games. They're long games. They're definitely not, for not light games. They're not gateway games. Um, but check it out if you're a serious gamer. And if you're not a serious gamer, I would recommend trying out Pandemic. Um, I would give it, uh, I don't know, I would give the tournament actually much higher than Pandemic itself. Interesting. So Even though it is deliberately cruel, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's designed that way to sort of weed out bad people because the winners do go to the Nationals in Montreal. Are you going to go July. to Montreal? Uh, thinking about it, if I do, it will be because I'm already going to Montreal <laughs> and I just happen to stop in. Kyle is definitely game. Uh, Mark cool. McKinnon has won a previous one and he's going. Really? Uh, and we do have family in Montreal, so okay, that's kind of cool. Then we'll have to mic you up and get you there to uh, yeah. do some on the scene. Yeah, I mean, in, in July is perfect time for me. So, uh, but I would give Pandemic uh, maybe uh, seven uh, uh, dying nations out of nine <laughs> as they nine. choke under their own disease. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you don't want to, because Pandemic is not a cheap game. I think it's running around 50 bucks. Yeah. If you don't want to shell the money to play a game you've never played before, I would recommend the app. I think the app I got on sale for like $1.50, mm-hmm. and it's the full game. It's yeah, a yeah. very good app. It, there's also, if you we, we mentioned before, but Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert are also, I think, a lot less expensive. And I'd say carry a lot of the same sort of game beats yep. you know the, the moments of being you're, you're choking you're trying to survive and you're trying to get away with certain things and you have to work together and it's very much all ages because even though it's really difficult it's very child friendly as well absolutely so i will play it myself and i could probably play it with a six-year-old all right there we go um so something we want to do on the show with our dying minutes minutes left is we wanted to get into some terminology now dedicated listeners will know that we'll throw around some words uh, either on purpose or accidentally that both joel and i understand but uh maybe take for granted that the um average bear maybe yeah. will i think rock. it's interesting that the uh, the gaming community not just board games but also video <laughs> games has developed a new lexicon basically absolutely so Joel has uh, taken some unusual uh, effort here and written down some things before the show, and we've got a bunch of terms that uh, I th- we'll consider this like the the educational yeah. <laughs> minutes of Android, as opposed to like where you lose brain cells listening to us. Cool. So I've got a small list, and I think it would be fun maybe if I say the word and then you define it. Okay, I'll try my best. All right. So we'll start with one that's pretty simple: king making. What's king making? So I think most people would agree kingmaking is, and this came up with Pandemic a little bit, or we were talking about Risk Legacy here, is kingmaking is when someone makes a decision that affects two other players, we'll say, uh, people that are not that player, and gives has to make a choice that will result in one of those players winning the game. And you are kingmaking when you, you are not going to win the game, but you have to make a choice between them. And it can turn into an ugly political fight, and that's when you see the daggers really come out, in my opinion. Do you yep. agree? Absolutely. I think kingmaking is one of those scenarios where... Nobody likes. Uh, I'm not going to win. Uh, That's... There you and go, sometimes you sometimes you have to kingmake. Yeah. You're right. But sometimes people say, well, you know, you did this to me in this game, and I'm yep. going to get you back and make sure this other person wins. Yeah. Which, I mean... It's a valid. See, I've gotten an argument with somebody online about this, and yep. he was saying, "Well, that's how I'm going to play, and if you shouldn't," and I said, "Well, I'm not going to play with you then." Yep. But it's a valid strategy of that. If you attack this person, he'll just destroy you. They'll they'll cut off their nose despite their own face, type thing. Yeah. All right, uh, this one's a bit more self-explanatory, but isn't 100 percent intuitive. What is take the go first? 
Um, now, this one I'm not as up to date. I'm going to take a stab and say it means grabbing player one. I don't know. Yeah, grabbing starting player. So usually there's a spot in worker placement that you yeah. can go to take uh, the starting player token. Okay. Uh, maybe that's just a me and Sam thing. I've ne- I honestly have never heard that. <laughs> How about min-max? Min-max, I think, is something that extends to all any sort of game that allows you to um, create a scenario where you're just... You're, you're, I think it's usually derogatory, or at least used to, in a grinding sense of that. When you're min-maxing, you are going to extremes to optimize whatever you're doing. So even if it's tedious, even if it's... Um, kind of uh, annoying to do and look at. It's optimal for you to do this, and it, I'm trying to think of a scenario like in video games. I can think of lots of that stuff, but in board give games. Give us an example, yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah give us an example. Uh, so one of my favorite games, Dungeon Crawl. This uh, free uh, uh, tile-based dungeon crawler out there, and you can min-max something where you take characters. Let's say there's a race called a mummy, and there's no food clock for them, whereas normally most races have to keep moving because they have to find more stuff to eat, and uh, there's going to be a finite amount. The mummy doesn't worry about that, so there was a period of time where it was min-maxing to just stay as a mummy on the one floor and just keep resting, 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 and killing monsters as they slowly came into your periphery, and eventually you'd become godlike over hundreds godlike. of thousands There's another of term, so we've just jumped into a th- yeah, an yeah. additional term. So min-maxing uh, you're bang on. Uh, it's kind of uh, it, it's gaming a game. I think gaming. A bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can think of a situation. Maybe in viticulture, you get a one red and one white, and you forget about all the other gro- grapes. You yeah. Just let them grow. And why not? Right. The game. It's, uh, but it... let's talk about. Uh, sorry, I already forgot what you said. Uh, godlike. What's godlike? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Godlike is just like you're, you're unstoppable. You've you everyone else is they're they're averting their eyes before your your yeah. incredible and strategy. I think what it came from was uh, in Dota, which is a, a mobile where a lot of gotta go come earlier. From. Gotta go earlier. Um, Godlike is uh, ten kills in a row without dying. Unreal Tournament. That's where they took it from. Uh, there you go. Which where you hear like the whole the headshot. That's the that was the most famous counter strike kill monster kill. Yeah, yeah, that's actually where the sound bites came from. Yeah, it's all unreal. Yeah, great game by the way. Um, how about gank or shank? Uh, ganking is I'd put that in the MOBA world. Yep. Uh, why don't you explain it? Because so sure, yeah. So uh, in MOBAs, you usually have. three different lanes. Hold on, we've already jumped MOBA. <laughs> MOBA. Uh, massive uh, multiplayer online uh, battle, battle arena. arena. Is that, yeah, yeah. anyway, it's a, it's, it's a game. Just called Dota <laughs> or LOL. Um, and ganking, basically, there's three lanes and you get characters fighting against each other in each lane. And if you sneak out of a lane to go kill someone in another lane, that's a gank. Basically, you're... Surprise uh, them, you ambush them. You're turning the tide where you've got an extra character there then you're probably yeah. more likely to kill. And I think shank... Is something maybe more personal to our group, where one of the people one we person. know really loves using the term. But what would you describe a shank as? I think uh, Mr. Faria describes or Faria describes shanking as any sort of aggressive action, <laughs> where it's like not even unanticipated. Yeah, maybe it's like a direct attack. A direct attack, where it's like, oh, he shanked me. What? <laughs> it's more of a successful direct attack too. If you try to shank someone and fail, then maybe not. Because it's funny, because shanking and ganking, I think, would be very similar, because to me, shanking impl- implies some sort of prison attack, where it's like, oh, you're you minding your own business, all of a sudden, I suppose the difference would be gank is a group. Yeah. Group shank. Group shank. Okay, there we go. We've got our own... Okay, RNG. Joel. 
Uh, RNG is a acronym for random number generator and obviously random number generator indicates luck and so anything with a small degree or a high degree of rng um, is incorporated into games when you're describing them so say for example this where we talk about dead of winter and there's a die where i don't know it's a 12-sided die and you have one chance to uh, just die that is an element of rng yeah and I think also too in RNG you'll you'll find more referred to in the video game community because especially when you get into stuff like watching uh, I'm not ashamed to say it I, I love speed runs and when you watch certain speed runs they talk about RNG where it's like you can try to optimize it but the, ultimately the game is going to roll a number behind the scenes and uh, a monster or something is going to behave in a certain way that you cannot anticipate and that's it and when you think that I mean for me and for you would you consider our, the higher degree of RNG a bad thing it's. I think there's no way to say that RNG is totally bad, but I think depending on what game you're playing, you don't want any RNG. Like if you're playing, like if you're playing any of the splatter games, for example, RNG is awful. There, in fact, they pride themselves on the fact that there's almost no randomness outside of initial setup in most of those games. Versus something like Pandemic, which we talked about earlier, where theoretically you could lose right up the way the deck has been shuffled before you even sit down. You is is against you randomly. So yep. And I mean, I suppose you, um, in a game like Pandemic, if there was no RNG, it'd be a very boring game. Oh, it'd be absolutely be playing, uh, the so same game. It's, every about, time. it's finding the mix, right? So. Yep. Um, I got just a couple more. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I just wanted to mention quickly that uh, Activision Blizzard mm-hmm. made more money last year oh, no. from microtransactions oh, no. than they did from game sales. <sighs> Who's paying for this stuff? Uh, which playing? leads us to rage. <laughs> Ra- really? <laughs> rage quitting. Uh, rage quitting is when you get so angry, uh, maybe you're doing badly or you're mad about something in the game that you yeah. just quit the game. The old table flip is up there, too. Uh, getting your engine going. All right, that's a good phrase. Uh, so engine building, we've talked about on the show, I think, before, but um, in general, it means getting your uh, getting your game set up in such a way. So, like, a good example is, let's say, in Splendor, your engine is going when you're able to just start buying, pulling cards down quickly for free, and you're starting to grab victory cards and going for lords and things. It's that you're... Imagine a car. You've you've spent the game putting all the pieces together and getting the wheels on, and then somebody wins the game because you took That's too good. long. <laughs> yeah, and there's always that whole thing where I, I just I needed a, another turn or just two one to get turn. my engine going. It's yeah, a very yeah. common term, you know. I, I was I was just, I was set up. I was about to take off. You know, yeah. maybe you're building a rocket. Is more. Oh, of that's, like, yeah, that's you know, a better way to describe. You're it. Uh, you're really ramping up to something amazing, and then game's over. Well, yeah, I think uh, maybe. Splendor's probably more rocket building than anything because it's just like you grab mm-hmm. a bunch of cu- a couple of big points and then you win. Gets much faster at the end. Yeah. And Scythe, I get, who came up, Scythe is probably closer to engine building in the sense of once you get a good system going and you've got the workers and you've got this thing, you can, as long as nobody screws with you too badly, you can, you yep. can just where you can do the top and the bottom. Yep. Um, this is more of an official term, but maybe uh, people that don't play games won't know it. Win condition. Um, I'll let you say this one, Joel. Win condition is uh, basically what how the rules describe how you will win the game. Yeah, fair enough. Takes these manzies. 
All right, you got to do this one. <laughs> well, this one's my favorite, and this is not a common game term, but definitely one of our favorite. Um, it's a cute way of saying uh, acquire additional workers. So yeah. in a worker placement, maybe you start with two or three workers, but there'll be a mechanic or a cost in the game where you'll be able to purchase more, and then on the next turn, you can use those additional workers. This is pure Joel. It takes these manzies. <laughs> it's just, give me more men. <laughs> just, I want more meeples. That's it. Sounds like we're running out of time. Um, there's a couple more delicious fluffies, which is just a description Never heard for of sheep in Catan. Oh. Uh, player elimination, which obviously is kind of self-described. Well, we can almost make a whole show about player elimination, or as like a subject or a mechanic yeah. or something. But um, yeah, so the music indicates we're at the end of another episode of Android's Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram seems to be the most popular one of the bunch because <laughs> you really don't have to interact with us beyond. I got liked by a, a gamer in. 